I think JT has the same haircut that uh, Javier Bardem had in uh, No Country for Old Men. He sort of looks a bit like a serial killer. If yep. he wasn't such a good bloke, you'd yep. imagine he's probably massacred a thousand prostitutes already. Yeah. I had big raps on Damien Cook early this year. Successful origin series. He's made the kangaroos. I was well. complimenting him early, to be fair, but um, mainly his moustache. You know what I have noticed about the women's game is their, is their hairstyle. He's going to have long hair mm. and play the game. He's going to have to keep it pretty tight, but... I'd like to see him go to the next level and shave the head. So you just want 34 baldies out there in or the women's game? at least one or two in the halves. Well, Chip, um, look, we don't like to say that we're trendsetters or that we're famous, although we do say that regularly to everyone in our own personal lives. Oh, mostly to people that'll listen. Yeah, exactly. So not so much our family. Diminishing supply for some reason. Yeah, I only know about a handful. Count them mm. on one hand now. Yep. Mum's turned her back on me. Has she? Yeah. I was wondering when that had happened. Last week. Yeah. yeah she said, oh, I don't know, something about... Not I don't know, yeah. You're not mine. Yeah. yeah. I shouldn't have tried to cut her out of her own will. But um, look, uh, having said all of that, mm. uh, we've managed to secure an interview with a very famous gent, a very okay. uh, high-profile St. George Illawarra Dragons fan. Do you know who I'm talking about? High-profile St. George Illawarra fan. Uh, Wayne Bennett? He probably could be, yeah. The way he coached the Broncos this year, I think he was still a fan of He might still be like bleeding red and white. I think so, based on that finals game last year. Well, there's red, white blood cells, aren't there? Are there? There's white and red blood cells. Look, we're not scientists, mate, but I will tell you this. It's Mr Mark Latham. Oh, fantastic. I, I like Mark. He was, uh, he was on not so long ago. He was very courteous uh, to talk with us, and um, we're just about to call him right now. Hello. Mark Latham, welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle, mate. How are you going? I'm really well. How are you fellas been? We've been well, mate. Um, look, it's obviously been a, a long time since we spoke, Mark. The last time uh, we had a chat, you were very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about the Dragons' season. Um, we thought <laughs> we thought we might start there, mate. Um, in a nutshell, what went wrong for the Dragons this year? Well, they played football past May. You know, they just stopped <laughs> mm-hmm. the comp in May. We'd be the premiers, and I think this has got to be a rule change that the hierarchy consider because it's a cruel fate for us uh, Dragons fan to watch the end of season fade out every year. So we just like to be known as the May premiers. So in a way, Mark, you're saying you, you know it's sort of a progress of a kind. You've expanded from the April premiers, and you're saying now it's the May premiers. Those end-of-season fade-outs are an issue, and the floggings they copped by the dogs and the eels were pretty demoralising at the time. But it's also true they bounced back with a fantastic win against the Broncos in Brisbane in the first week of the finals and were pretty unlucky, really. I mean, some brain explosions cost them badly against uh, the Rabbits. So they could have got through to the second-last week or even beyond. Um, I always thought that with... Ben Hunt coming in and, and some other new players that were going to take a season to, to gel. Um, you'd have to think that they're a better prospect to, you know, get further into the finals next year. Um, let's also remember for the Dragons that a lot of people were saying they'd be wooden spooners, that, you know, they were really, really going to struggle this season. So they answered some critics, played some really good footy in the start of the year, but I think their main issue is that that big power game they play in the forwards early on and the fitness level they reach early in the season, they need to pace themselves a bit better because you can't keep that up for the full season. And, you know, the Roosters showed how if you pace yourself into August and September, you're going to have a a much better outcome in the end. Look, 
Do you reckon uh, we might be able to uh, organise a mid-season coach swap for you guys to kind of get around this uh, April April uh, shift that seems to go on each year? That's a great idea. McGregor is the best early season coach in the comp, and you should bottle that up till about the middle of June, probably mm. state of origin time, and then swap in with uh, Trent Robertson. I think would be the ideal dragon season. You, you've really come on a good strategy there, and these coaches are swapping at unexpected times. So why not mid-season? I've actually got another take on it for you, Mark. I'm not sure if this is an idea or not, but seeing as the dragons are so proficient at uh, you know topping the table around April May. Could they not, you know, maybe create a trophy especially for the Dragons and you guys just start a trophy cabinet but just full of May premierships? Yeah, we've got that. It's chock-a-block. The cabinet, you can't <laughs> get any more trophies in there. It's absolutely overflowing. So that's how we Dragon fans live our season out uh, with our little trophy replicas there as the May premiers. It's glorious. I suppose, you know, it's like the... Um, uh, Rocky Balboa movie when his trainer uh, Mickey tells him he, you know he had a prime this is what I look like in my prime and Rocky who's down on his luck at the time before the first fight with Creed uh, yells down the stairs to Mickey at least you had a prime where's my prime Mick well for the Dragon fans you know at least we have a prime it runs through to about the first week in June but at least we have something to cheer for unlike say the hapless Eels who had a shit of a season, the Cowboys very disappointing and the Titans they were never going to win anything, so at least we had a prime. Yeah, that's a good point that's a good point there Mark. Now look uh, just just another thought here do you, do you think that the uh, signing of Jared Hayne might lift the Dragons to uh, you know premiership level come September? Yeah, I think that would be a good move, you know, I know he's got his critics out there but uh, some of the form he showed through his career has been phenomenal and, you know, I talk with my son, he's a Tigers fan, we talk footy all the time in the winter months, and one of my complaints during the season was that we didn't have uh, a decent utility back. Mm. You know, we had Kurt Mann, God save me, you know, Kurt mm. Mann. He's bloody dreadful. And um, we need a quality utility back uh, to fill the inevitable injuries because it seems, you know, you talk about the late season fade, Gareth Widdop's injury seems to be part of that and when he's not there the team struggles um, so you need someone who can fill in at, in the halves uh, at fullback um, even the scenario saying McGuinness was injured they could move Hunt to um, hooker, uh, which is perhaps his best position Widdop to halfback and play Jared Hayne at 5'8 Without that cover, you know, putting Kurt Mann in at 5'8", I'm sorry, you know, he's, he's sort of a try-hard player, but he just hasn't got the class to carry you through finals football as, as we saw in the game against the Rabbits. I agree with you on Kurt Mann there, Mark. I sort of feel like he has good utility value, but uh, more in off-field positions, like uh, parking the cars for the players, peeling <laughs> the oranges, um, you know, potentially uh, maybe even wiping the whiteboard down for the coach every now and again. Uh, so yeah, I, think, I, think, I think he'd be really good at strapping knees. I think that would be his main forte, yeah. strapping knees and, and shoulders. He's probably dismissed his forte, Mark. But look, we'll, uh, obviously, we'll leave that little scar of St George alone. But there's obviously some an air of optimism about what you're saying there. But um, as Roosters fans, you may remember we are Roosters fans, and we apologise in advance uh, for being right. open okay, about no, that. Me. 
Well, well, no, hear us out, Mark, because we're not gonna, we're not here to gloat. Um, but what I he- am here to ask is, um, given the heroics of Cooper Cronk um, in that game, uh, we're trying to get a bit of a Kickstarter campaign going, Chip and myself, um, to see if we can get a bronze statue of Cooper Cronk's scapula uh, being erected outside East Leagues in Bondi Junction. Do you think there's any merit to potentially doing that? Absolutely. I think he should have been awarded Coach of the Year just for his one-game yeah, coaching performance in the grand final, standing behind the ruck, standing behind the defensive line, and barking orders. Um, it was the best on-field coaching performance since Alan Langer was in his prime as a runner for the Broncos. So it was an amazing performance. I was talking to someone the other day about it. I, you know, we will never again see a game played by Cooper Cronk in a, a big match of, of such a a kind, a, a unique contribution to a team's mm. um, success with, from a bloke, a bloke who couldn't scratch his nuts, his, his arm was that <laughs> sore, and basically the only way he could tackle was to throw his body in front of the oncoming rampage traffic. Could have been another job for man there, ball scratcher. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So it, was, it, was, it was an amazing performance, it was, it was gutsy, but you know, you still got to wonder, should he have been out there, really? I mean, the Roosters won the grand final with 12.5 players. You're right, Mark. And look, on the show, we've actually, as you said, I think it is unprecedented. I don't think I've ever seen a player run on with the deliberate intention never to touch the footy, uh, which is exactly what Cooper did. But um, we kind of feel like maybe uh, Cooper Cronk sort of revolutionised the game and um, might be implementing a sort of 13-man uh, lollipop role, um, like lollipop man holding yeah, the signs. I, 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 yeah, there's no doubt the Roosters are trendsetters. They've won the comp. And, and have done it with a, a bloke just um, coaching on the field but and barely touching the ball. And I, I think it's up there with the other contribution from the great rooster who's helped them win the comp, barely touching the ball. And that's your salary cap accountant who's uh, put in a, perform- a, a phenomenal performance. We're uh, so good off the ball, Mark. We're incredible. Sorry, Chip, <laughs> you've got a question. I do. Uh so, um, look, Mark, moving to international matters here, and uh, recently the New Zealand Rugby League team uh, met up with uh, Liverpool FC. Uh, now, they greeted them with an impromptu harker. Uh, now, you know, do, do you think there's a danger of overusing the harker these days? No, I don't think you can get enough harker. The proper harker, I think you, you can't get enough. It's just magnificent. Even the Tongan harker. Know, where they, they sort of had uh, for feet appearing out of the middle of their circle. Even that sort of uh, evolved into something decent. It's so, scary, well, isn't I it? Can't, I, I can't get enough of the haka. Every time I see a New Zealander, I want them to break into a haka. And, of course, uh, the great tragedy is Australia had a war cry. Was it in the past season or the one before where Cameron Smith was sort of imitating a, a wallaby in the middle of the um, Jonathan Thurston orchestrated uh, Australian circle? Yeah, it didn't and go and down so well, did it, Mark? No, we no, really... all the ferocity of being savaged by a dead sheep. It was all the ferocity of being hit over the head with a wet lettuce. It was pathetic. You're 100% so right Australia's there. Got, Australia, Australia's got, as long as JT's in charge, Australia's got no war cry to commend it. Absolutely feeble. But uh, New Zealand and now the Tongan Harker, 10 out of 10. So, Mark, I'm, I'm thinking about actually uh, instigating here with Eamon uh, a voluntary tackle harker. Um, so we're, we're thinking we might come up with some kind of ceremonial dance for our football podcast. What's that? You just drop on the ground and sort of do the dead end. 
Yeah, it, it, it's a very voluntary haka. It's it's uh, a bit wet lettuce, but we're we're trying to imitate Cameron Cameron as best we can. And uh, you know, if you've got any input for us on that, we, you know, we'd we'd uh, certainly no, we just, uh, just imitate Cameron Smith. We need to see more of that Australian performance. It it, it deserves greater coverage. You know, you watch those shows on Fox. Uh, Sports, Maddie Johns and the Professor and all that. Wouldn't you think they play more of the Cameron Smith fiasco as comedy value? It's incredible, isn't it? But you know what? There's one of our Twitter listeners, uh, Corey Farrell, came up with a great idea. He thought that Fox News should potentially, Mark, invest in a new show, uh, but instead of having Cameron Smith harass referees, uh, referees in their off time harass Cameron Smith just in his regular life, <laughs> down at the supermarket doing the banking, just hanging with the kids... And just have his uh, personal life questioned at every vantage point. Yeah, I think they should be right outside his kid's school there in the 40-kilometre zone, timing his car and dobbing him in if he's <laughs> doing 50, you know? They, they really should monitor this place and get it even. I agree. I'm absolutely with you, Mark. Look, it does it dawn to us, I know we were going to mention um, a lot of the coach swapping going on at the moment. Just very broadly, why do you think there's so much musical chairs going on in the coaching ranks? Oh, disloyalty. You know, no one's got any affili- affiliation, loyalty to the club mascot, the brand, the jersey. You know, the coaches used to die for the jersey. Used to be the captain coach. I loved the era when I was the captain coach. But now they just flit off for a dollar. Poor old Ivan Cleary's going back to the Panthers so he can be sacked a second time by <laughs> Gus. Totally disloyal to the Tigers. Anthony Seabold, he had a good season there at the Rabbits. Wouldn't you want to think he'd see that through for another three or four years and develop the team and... He's changed their playing style, you know, they're playing what's in front of them and so forth, more spontaneous footy. He's pissing off to the Broncos. Um, and now we've got a ridiculous situation. He's going to do a coach swap with um, Clint Eastwood, um, but it won't happen for another 12 months. So they're going to be coaching teams. Everyone knows they're going to piss off at the end of the season. And what that does for morale, I, you know, it's, it's questionable. Kind of agree with you, Mayor Mark, but the good news for the Dragons, obviously, the Big Red V, I don't see Mary McGregor heading anywhere anytime soon. No, that was the worst aspect of beating the Broncos in Brisbane, that we kept McGregor as coach, you know, if they bombed out and been a total end-of-season fade, we could have got rid of Mary and maybe snared Michael McGuire or someone like that. Desi Hasler, I think Desi Hasler would be a great coach of the Dragons. I've got, I've got no rap on McGregor, but because he doesn't pace them properly through the season. But we're stuck with him for another year, and we'll see how he goes. So, look, Mark, do you think it would be beneficial to actually have two coaches in a season, a bit like Manly, having uh, Des Hasler and Trent Barrett? Do you think that's going to be helpful for Manly? Uh, well, they've got, they've got to get rid of Barrett, haven't they? Barrett uh, docked it at the Dragons. Remember the time he walked out of the Dragons and went to England? Shocker. You guys have, long, you have long memories, you Dragon fans, Mark. Yeah, no, no, we have grievances, and um, we, we haven't forgotten that one. But there was a time where two coaches was kind of in fashion. I think the 1987 grand final for the Raiders, they had Wayne, the young Wayne Bennett as their coach and Don Ferner, is that right, Tim Sheens? No, Tim Sheens. Yep, Timmy Sheens. And Wayne Bennett were co-coaches of the Raiders in their 87 grand final year. They lost to Manly in that, um, in that uh, decider. And there was also a time the Dragons had two coaches. Did we have David Waite and, and Andrew Farrow were joint coaches? Something like that. It was shortly, in the 90s, was it? Shortly after the merger, I think David Waite might have got the gig and I think Farrow might have been a, the assistant coach. Because I guess there's a bit of politics yeah, I, at play there, isn't there, when there's a merger? Yeah, I, yeah, but I, I, yeah, look, I haven't got the exact year, but at the time the Dragons had co-coaches. So it was around, obviously it didn't work very well. Imagine being the co-coach with Wayne Bennett. Oof. But... Um, 
You wouldn't get a word no. in edgeways. No, 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 well, you know, some people, uh, Matt, well, I suppose you could say the Panthers have got a code case, they've got Gus Gould and whoever else <laughs> holds the clipboard. Yep. And, 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 and that hasn't worked very well, so, no, I, I, I think the, the coaching style is going to be solo and the challenge for Manly is to pay out Barrett and get rid of him because it's such a toxic memory of what happened uh, in the season past. Mark, uh, look, uh, this, we're going to finish up the interview uh, with a few viewer questions, if you're okay with that. I should say listener questions, I guess. Um, yeah, now, sure. apologise in advance. So we have a very weird and odd bunch of people. Uh, so if you think the questions are a bit strange, feel free to... Um, uh, you know. I'm from a political background. I'm used to weird and strange <laughs> people, so shoot away. I'm sure you are. Look, this one comes from The, the Biggest Tiger, um, and he says, uh, Mark, if you could see Tyson Frizzell in a calendar spread... What would his photo theme be, and what month would he pose for? We'll be holding the trophy in May, wouldn't he? As uh, one of the May Premier players, and as for his photo spread, I'd like him dressed as a fireman. Fireman Frizzell. <laughs> Good idea. I like it. Yep, um, mate. We've got another one here. Uh, this is from Angel of Gronk. Um, he says, "Why hasn't the Dragons recruited Tuari Martin yet?" Not to play as a recruitment manager, but as proof that nice things can be taken away from props who leave the big red V. Whoever that bloke is, Gronk, he's doing too many drugs. Yeah, I think Gronk might be right. What are you hoping to see in 2019? Can we get some uh, rule changes happening here? Uh, how did you think the refs went in 2018? Well, can they just have some consistency in the way in which the game is refereed? I mean, the start of the season with a pedantic approach, blowing about 40 penalties per game. Then we got to Origin and there were three penalties. And it looked like it was a different uh, game of sport altogether. And then Greenberg said, oh, the refs shouldn't be so pedantic. And they were laid off for a couple of weeks. And, and, and my pet hate, and I'm sure every rugby league fan would say this, where the hell did policing the play the ball of the attacking team come from? You know, the penalties that they blew. That's a shocker. About blokes who didn't touch the ball, lift their foot and all that. No one gives a shit about that. Just let them roll it under their legs and get on with the faster game with fewer penalties. And the other one, putting my Dragons hat on, is Jared Sutton and that penalty against Cam McGuinness when he threw the ball into Murray in the, against the, the, the Rabbits. Dooley, dooley. How can you be a mind reader to know whether or not it was deliberate? Murray was on his knees and clearly in the way of the, the pass going one off the ruck. And how would Sutton know what was in McGuinness's mind? Because it didn't look like a deliberate thing. It might have been, but you can't mind read. So get rid of that rule. Get rid of the whole focus on play the ball, whether they touch it with their foot and all that garbage, and, and keep it down to about no more than 10 penalties a game. Okay? I think they should have a rule when you play the 10 penalties, there's no more. No put, more. put a cap on it. it. Put a cap on it, yeah. Have the salary cap, have the penalty cap. Mark, look, this is slightly less league-related, but uh, it's obviously we're talking to you today on uh, the night of Halloween. Um, just on a broad point, should Australians be celebrating Halloween, or is this one of these American holidays we should stay well away from? Well, it's a bit of a furphy. Uh, the full history of it is it's a Christian All Saints festival that started in Europe. And the Americans... Uh, typical American style, sort of grabbed hold of it and commercialised it and turned it into a money-making commercial um, venture with lots of uh, media coverage. But it's actually started in Europe as a Christian tradition. So I think we should make it a uniquely Australian tradition. I actually, uh, just last year, I know I'm, an, I'm a fully-fledged adult, Mark, but I went door-to-door -door doing some trick-or-treat uh, dressed up as Todd Carney. 
Um, and you've never seen people who just that scared the absolute shit out of them. I've never had so much candy come my way. Yeah, you could for the bubbler. And uh, you could get Russell Packer out there to help fertilise the lawn as well. <laughs> That's the trick or treat part, I assume. Mark, we'll, we won't take up any more of your time, mate, but uh, it goes about saying we really appreciate you taking time out of a, what we know is a busy schedule to chat with a, a couple of idiots uh, who talk into a microphone every week about the greatest game of all. But um, thanks so much, mate, and hopefully we'll have you on the no, show no, again. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable, and congratulations to your Roosters guys and winning the comp. You, you, you were the October premiers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> one, 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 one better than my team. With, with the best interest rate on those very legal books. Yeah, no, you're accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, he certainly has a bit of an axe to grind with the referees, doesn't he? I mm. think he literally wants to grind an axe into some of them, especially think, those Sutton brothers. Do you think that's why we get along? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. We, we none of us like them, do mm. they? Not really. But I don't. We don't want to see violence. Well, uh, oh, that's right. You had that thesis, didn't well, you? You know. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily need to. I mean, if I can record it and watch it later, that's fine. It doesn't need to be live. Oh, okay. Is this a bit like a, a really uh, gruesome version of the UFC? You know, I'd love to see um, a bunch of refs take on someone like Conor McGregor or, or uh, Mike Tyson or something, just just like a charity round for charity. Right, right. Except the refs couldn't get away. They, they were trapped in a cage. Yeah, like an octagon. Yes, mm. okay. And would there be booby traps, you know, where if, say, for example, um, Tony Archer hit the wrong lever and he got sliced in two, would mm. something like that happen? It's a bit like that movie The Cube. Yeah, like the cut slide where you get that cut and then you... Yeah, that's right. We talked about we, that we, last we, week, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Mm. We're really violent people. Well. I never really thought about it, but... Mm. Oh, well, let's end this and we'll go punch on down the pub. Okay. Uh, we're going to pick two teams, and they are going to fight to the death. Their mascots will um, go head to head. So Eamon's given me uh, two numbers to choose from. I believe it was thirteen and thirteen and twelve, mate. Thirteen and twelve. Yeah. Uh, which brings up the Illawarra Steelers. Okay. Taking on the Brisbane Broncos. Ooh, interesting matchup. Uh, I can imagine historically on the field, uh, the Broncos would have had the edge over the Steelers over the years, but. In real life, which mascot would prevail in a fight to the death between mm. what is essentially a really angry horse uh, versus uh, an angry man uh, in armour? And it's a young horse too. You've got that, that bronco, it's bucking. Oh, yeah, it's a bucking it's, bronco. It's, it's tough to tame. Mm. Uh, Still, I think if you've got a stealer, you just cut its legs off. Now, what it? is a stealer? I think it's a type of warrior in armour. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, so he'd usually be riding the horse, you would Generally. Think. They're usually friends in okay. history. Um, a stealer would be on top of the horse and they'd be a team. So this is when, like, two two friends fall out. So maybe mm. maybe the, the, the horse has said, look, I'm not really keen today. Yeah. I'm going to have a break. And the stealer goes, no, we've got to go and fight. Mm. Um, a, uh argument erupts. Um, maybe the bronco says something like, yeah, but you're a fat cunt and I don't like you anymore. Mm. 
and the stealer says, well, guess what? That wasn't water I was giving you to drink. Yeah. And then it's just on. I've got to say, I think as a stealer, he's missed a trick there because he had a talking horse. He should yep. have just toured it around the country and made a fuckload of money off it. Didn't they make a movie about that kind of thing? Probably oh, starring TV Clint series? Eastwood or something. Oh, Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed. Yeah. Do you know how they made it talk? Fun fact. Um, they used Vegemite? To, uh, peanut butter on the gums. Was it peanut butter? Yeah, I knew it was some kind of spreadable. Mm. Um, and imagine if it had peanut allergy. That's sort of like... Um, maybe oh, that's what that's it was. That's horse abuse. Maybe it? it was the allergy that actually made it kind of go... Yeah. It was having mini strokes. Yeah. Yeah. But let's come back to um, you know the the point of the story, which is who would win between a Steeler and a Bronco. Mm. Who's at home? Out of interest. Well, the Steeler is at home. Okay. Yeah. Where is a Steeler's home? Illawarra. Okay. Or it was. <laughs> That's right. The Steel Town makes a lot of sense, and the Bronco. Let's see. Obviously, a fish out of water tail, isn't it, Chip? Um, Bronco bucking around Illawarra, mm. um, around the steel mills. It's probably mm. likely to do itself an accident without the Steeler even turning up. Probably, probably fall, fall into some heavy machinery or something. May even do itself a mischief. I'd say you're probably right about mm. that. So for me, there's too many perils for the Bronco to prevail. I'd mm. say even if they met face-to-face, uh, the Steeler would just cut it in half. Probably give it some kind of um, you know, uh, mafia-esque horse-in-the-bed, horse-head removal mm. um, job. S- send the horse's head to the horse's family. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You know, Although that, would that be that wouldn't be that shocking for the wife of the horse, would it? Because if the wife of the horse woke up in the bed and saw a horse's head in the bed, probably think, thought, oh, there's Frederick. Yeah, just he's home. Just had a. Big I thought one. he had a big fight today. He just must tied, have won. Tied one on. Oh, he's lost weight. Weighs a lot less now. Yeah. I, uh, summary: forty-two nil Steelers. <laughs> forty-two nil Steelers. 